The following message comes to you from the pulpit of Zion Primitive Baptist Church in Zion, Alabama. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com. Welcome to the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. This podcast is an outreach of Zion Primitive Baptist Church located in the Zion community near Gordo, Alabama. I'm Elder Chris McCoon. I serve as pastor of Zion Church. We're a congregation of believers who trust in the simple message of God's sovereign grace, where families come together to worship God in spirit and in truth through the simplicity of preaching, praying, and singing. Zion Primitive Baptist Church is located at 9487 County Road 49, Gordo, Alabama. If you live in the Gordo area or if you are visiting in the area, please join us for worship. We meet every Sunday at 1030 a.m. and 5 p.m. and on the first and third Wednesday evenings at 630 p.m. Perseverance is a doctrine that has been misunderstood by many people in the world. Some in the religious world teach that you have to persevere in faith and good works in order to continue to be a child of God. Otherwise, you'll slip out of the hands of the Lord and die and go to hell. Some in the Calvinist world believe that if you don't persevere in faith and good works, that means you never were a child of God in the first place. In today's message, which is the first half of a sermon preached by Elder Craig Blair here at Zion Church recently, we learn that perseverance is a true Bible doctrine. But the true teaching of perseverance is not that children of God absolutely will persevere or else they die and go to hell or they never were a child of God, but rather that children of God ought to persevere. We're not predestined to persevere and we can fall away. We can fall away from grace. We can fall away from good works. We can fall away from any number of good things that we ought to follow in our discipleship. We cannot fall out of the hands of God, however, but since we are in his hands, we ought to persevere in faith and good works because of what he's done for us. Join us today and tomorrow as we hear this fine sermon about perseverance by Elder Craig Blair. But first, we have a song selection that I hope you enjoy. After the song, please stay tuned for another message of God's sovereign grace from the Zion Primitive Baptist Church pulpit.
good to see everyone this evening. It's a wonderful blessing to be at God's house again. We trust you all had a good morning of worship, and we'll certainly pray that God that delivered the message this morning in countless places will provide us one this evening. So let's pray to that end. If you have your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 18. So I'd like to talk uh, for a while tonight about a parable that is described in the, really in the first eight verses of Luke 18. This is our Lord speaking to his disciples. And I'm also going to, we're going to read the eight verses and we'll come back and pray that the Lord would give us some light and we might be able to have a message this evening that would be honoring and glorifying to God and be edifying to us, to his disciples. So, and he spake a parable unto them, them is to his disciples, to this end that men ought always to pray and not to faint. Now, it's, it's wonderful when the Lord opens up a parable and explains what the parable's about before he gets into the parable. There are a couple of occasions we explained it after the fact. This is the one that the Lord has given us the key to this parable in that very first verse. To this end, that men ought always to pray and not to faint. Saying, there was in a city a judge which feared not God, neither regarded man, and there was a widow in that city, and she came unto him, saying, Avenge me of mine adversary. And he would not for a while, but afterward he said within himself, Though I fear not God, nor regard man, yet because this widow troubleth me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary me. So in essence, that is the parable. The next three verses, the Lord talking about that parable, and he's adding something else. There's two lessons that we have in the scripture in these first eight verses of Luke 18. The first is that we'd always pray and faint not. The faint not is the important part of this, brothers and sisters, because the Lord is exhorting us and instructing us that we might persevere. Now, that's not the word he used there, but the translation in that word's faint not, we see that used in the scripture. It is teaching God's people to remain steadfast, to, to stand in that day. Uh, to, to remain faithful and to persevere. The second part of that lesson, well, let's just go ahead in verse 6. And it says, the Lord said, hear what the unjust judge saith. He's just pointing us out to the fact that that judge said, even though I don't fear God, nor neither I do regard man, I'm going to grant the wish of this widow just because of her persistence, because she continually comes to me with this request that she be avenged of her adversary. So he's just going to, because of her perseverance, he was going to grant that request. That's what he's pointing us to. And then he goes on and makes the point that if that unjust judge that fears not God nor regards man would grant that wish because of the perseverance, because of the, the fainting knot of that widow, then what would a, a wonderful and loving and sovereign God that he would also, as he says, and shall not God avenge his own elect, which cried day and night unto him, though he bear long with them? I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith on the earth. So the second lesson in this parable is, Lord, making the statement that will not God avenge his elect. And that vengeance is the Lord's. And that is the, the righteous, the execution of the judgment of God in punishment. And we're, not, we're going to try not to talk about that tonight. Because it's been, I'm sure it's been a long enough day. But we would like to spend a little time on the exhortation, the, the subject of this parable, that we always pray and faint not. That we persevere. You know, perseverance is a biblical doctrine. It is also a doctrine that has 
has been wrongly understood by a lot of God's people, both in our or in the Primitive Baptist, in the true church, and in others. In Ephesians chapter 6, Paul, at the end of this exhortation about the armor that we're to wear, as we oppose the great enemy that is Satan, and at the end of it he says, Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. There's an instruction there. And, the, and part of the subject in Ephesians 6 is that we persevere. That we withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. There's an exhortation that we persevere. Perseverance is taught clearly in God's word. And the benefits of us if we remain steadfast and faithful. You know, perseverance is also a subject that typically is connected to withstanding opposition. I've known people that, uh, that sleep well, and I never thought, well, brother so-and-so is persevering in sleep. Persevering, remaining faithful in the good times, in the prosperous hours, one thing. But in the day that we have to withstand in that evil day, that it is so important to God's people and to the church that we persevere. Now, there are a lot of wrong understandings of what perseverance is. Now, there are those, not many, but in the religious world, most people do believe in the doctrine that's once saved, always saved. Now, most of God's children have a wrong understanding of what it takes to be saved. But they do believe that if you are saved according to their beliefs and their methods, then, then you're always saved, that you can't fall away. But there are those that believe, brothers and sisters, that once saved, that you can be lost. There are those that will look at Galatians and you know, there are not many places in the Bible that you could torture the scriptures enough to support such a doctrine, uh, and you have to ignore an awful lot. We see Paul writing in Galatians 5 and 4, Christ has become of no effect unto you, to, talking to the church, whosoever you are justified by the law, ye are fallen from grace. I want you to understand, brothers and sisters, you can fall from grace. That's what that scripture says. There's some that are fallen from grace. Now, what does that mean? Does that mean that they were once saved to eternal heaven and now because of their actions or decisions, they are now lost in, in, in eternal torment? That's not what that says. You know, Paul is teaching these brethren here about they had been under bondage to the law. They had been set at freedom, at liberty. The understanding of grace and being saved by the grace of God and the security that we have in the doctrines of grace. They had, they had fallen from the comforts of that back under the, the drudgery of the law. You know, the law, was a, the law was something without mercy. The law was a drumbeat every day of these things you had to do under the law. He says to these same brethren, ye that desire to be under the law, do you not hear the law? Do you, do you want to be under that? The old carnal man likes to have a little bit of he likes to get a little bit of God's glory. That's part of it. It appeals to that. So many of God's children just never have come to an understanding of the truth. But these are some that had come to an understanding. They had been set free. He, asked, he tells those brethren to stand fast. Stand fast. That's like faint not in it. That's to, that's to persevere, to continue on. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. So we understand that those that have fallen from grace have just fallen from the timely benefits and blessings, the peace that we have. That brothers and sisters, we understand and can see the finished work of Christ and we can rest in that. Amen. And the labor that we do is not to gain eternal life. The labor that we do is to honor God who has given us eternal life. 
and to enjoy the blessings of a close walk and fellowship with the Lord. They are wonderful things. We need to be exhorted, again, to persevere, not to fall away. You know, the Bible is just filled with so many wonderful examples, isn't it, of the eternal security that we have. Now, I trust that none of you under the sound of my voice this evening are confused that if you are saved by the grace of God, if you're in that number, then heaven's going to be your home. Amen. You know, an angel told Joseph, you'll call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. In John chapter 6, Jesus speaks these words. He describes why he came to the world. I came to this world not to do mine own will, but the will of him that sent me. And this is the will of the Father which has sent me, that if all that he has given me, then I lose nothing. I'll raise it all again on the last day. That teaches us, brothers and sisters, that the entirety of that number, without the loss of one, you're secure in the finished work of Jesus Christ. What a wonderful and what a glorious thing that that is. You can read in Ephesians chapter 1, and he speaks about those who will stand before him, before God, holy and without blame in love. You know, Apostle Paul has such a fine way to put points on these doctrinal messages so that it just seems, how could we not understand? And what a wonderful thing it is, brothers and sisters, to be in that grace of God and understand. At the end of Romans chapter 8, he says, for I am persuaded... You know, a lot of times we just run by that word persuaded. You know, Paul didn't just wake up to that one morning. Right. The persuasion that Paul is describing is one that comes uh, from, from a deep understanding and a view of his Savior and the, and the meaning of the Scriptures and the witness of the Holy Spirit that teaches him the things it is. For I am persuaded. You know, that, and I can tell you that from, a, from, the, from the carnal man, that's a persuasion that doesn't come there, but from the Spirit of God. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, or what else could there be? Nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. I tell you, brothers and sisters, that we are eternal, our eternal destiny is secure in the love of God, in the power of God, in the majesty of God, in the certainty of who he is. You know, the Bible even teaches us that we can, our faith, we can fall from grace. There were some of those that fell prey to the teachings that, that the resurrection had already passed. It says some that, that it overthrew the faith of some. Those are some that stumbled and fell. But it continues on, nevertheless, the foundation of God stands sure, having this seal, the Lord knows them that are his. So despite their falling, their, their overthrowing their faith, their eternal destiny secure in the finished work of the Lord. You know, that's why we think about eternally, we're preserved in Christ Jesus. You know, you're engraved in the palms of his hand. He went to the cross for you. God loved you with an everlasting love. When he loved you, you were going to live with him in heaven. I'll just tell you right now, brothers and sisters, the moment that God chose you is the object of his love. When he set his affections on you before the foundation of the world, your eternal destiny was secure. Whatever was required for you to live within heaven was going to be provided. And there was a great thing required. That was the, the perfect offering of his only son. And Jesus went here to provide that offering, and he did, and he finished the work, and you'll live within heaven. You know, your eternal destiny was never in jeopardy because the moment that God loved you, you were going to live with him. 
in heaven, preserved eternally. But the Bible teaches us about perseverance. Most of people that have an incorrect understanding of perseverance is that, that you, not that you must persevere to go to heaven, but if you're saved, you will persevere. That perseverance, remaining obedient, steadfast in the face, up to death, is a sign and a seal that one is saved. In absent that, then you call into question the eternal salvation of that one. In Philippians 1 and 6, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. You know, that's exactly right. That is true. But what does it mean? You know, those that believe that if you don't persevere to the end, then you were never one of God's children. They believe that this teaches that, that being confident this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. I'll tell you, that good work that was begun in you, that began before the foundation of the world. That's when he chose you, when you became the object of his love. And each one of those will be born again of the Spirit. And that Holy Spirit will never depart from you until death. And he'll be rejoined to this body when it's glorified, eternal living. He will, but he'll continue. He'll perform it until the day that he comes back and gathers up that purchased possession that is his bride and carries them home in a glorified sense in triumph and victory at the end of time. That verse does not teach that the, he that has begun that good work in you will perform it in your obedience and your faithfulness throughout your life. But what does the Bible say about those that might fall away? Does the Bible give us examples of some of those that do not persevere. Go with me to Hebrews chapter 6. The parable teaches us to always pray and to faint not, to persevere, to continue steadfast in faith. In Hebrews chapter 6, Paul has ended chapter 5 well, admonishing some of the brethren there about the fact that they were not growing in grace and knowledge of the Lord. He said, I came to thee and I had things that, that, you, that you can't understand. I come to you when you ought to be teachers. I must teach you once again what's to be these first principles of the oracles of God. That you're not ready to eat meat, but you can only drink milk. And he continues on in that in, in verse 6. And he lays out in verse 4. Let's just let's talk about it. Let's read it verse 4, 5, and 6. It says, For it is impossible. And it's based on coming off the lesson <clears throat> that these brethren were not growing in grace. They were not through the application of God's word in, in their walk as disciples. They were not growing. To, and, and you know, the sense is if we're not growing as disciples, you most anything, if it's not growing, you know what it's doing? It's liable to be dying. And we ought to think about that as disciples, that our lives this day and tomorrow and the next day, that we should be applying ourselves in a way that we can grow in grace and knowledge of the Lord. Otherwise, we can place ourselves in jeopardy of losing some of these things that we have. And he goes on in verse 4, For it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and had tasted of the heavenly gift and were made partakers of the Holy Ghost, and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the world to come. Now, I want you just, uh, let's just stop for a moment. Who do you think Paul's talking about? He just, who did he just describe? Did he describe the wicked? 
Those alien, dead alien sinners? No, he described a born-again child of God come to the understanding. One that has a, a lot of understanding of these things that we enjoy and we revel in and we praise God for here tonight. So he's describing somebody that's born-again child of God, came to an understanding that they were saved by the grace of God and they've enjoyed fellowship with the Lord in a gospel capacity and in a church capacity. He says, that's for impossible for those... If they shall fall away, so I can tell you, brothers and sisters, obviously a child of God born again in the Spirit can fall away. That's exactly what Paul is warning them. Why would the parable even be given? Why would the Lord tell in the parable? Always to pray and to faint not. If you couldn't faint, why would he tell us and warn us about and exhort us to, to always pray and to faint not? He, in this particular lesson, he said it's, it's impossible for them to renew themselves again unto repentance. Without getting off into this, I can tell you, brothers and sisters, we can fall away to such a degree that the ability of our own selves to turn and to repent unto God can be taken away. It can only be granted by God. He's talking about some people that had got to a state that only God, Amen. only God could give them that heart of repentance to lead to restoration, to fellowship with him and with his, their brothers. But it's clear there, brothers and sisters, that we see. Another example we see in Second Peter in chapter 2. Now, chapter 2 talks a lot, I believe, about some people. And I, the Lord knows them that are his, and he knows those that are not his. But he describes the people that feel to be a, a pretty thorough description of the wicked. And then we see in verse 18. Now you have to read, I'm not going to read all this, but you can go back and study before verse 18. And it describes the people that are, that are enemies in opposition to the cause of Christ. There's nothing good about the, in the description of them there. It says, for when they, and those that were described in those prior verses, when they speak great swelling words of vanity, they allure through the lust of the flesh, through much wantonness, those that were clean escape from them who live in air. So there's two groups of people would be described there those that he says first he described in those several verses before verse 18 in second peter chapter 2 he says for when they those he had just described when they speak great swelling words of vanity they allure through the lust of the flesh through much wantonness those a different group of people those that were clean escaped from them who live in air what he's talking about there brothers and sisters is god's people being drawn away from the church, being drawn away from the cause of Christ, to, to fall away from the blessings of, of fellowship with the Lord and discipleship into the things of the world. He says, while they promise them liberty, they themselves are the servants of corruption, for of whom a man is overcome, of the same is he brought into bondage. For if or after they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled therein and overcome. The latter end is worse with them than the beginning. He's not talking about wicked. He's talking about God's children who had tasted those good things, who had come to, had been to, to knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ that they were overcome, again entangled therein and overcome. The latter end is worse to them than the beginning. And it goes on and describes even in more graphic terms what they have gone back to from what they were. So we see in the Bible. You can go to Romans chapter 11. I'm not going to turn there. But it talks about some branches being broken off. It said the root is holy and the branches are holy. But because of unbelief, some of those branches were broken off 
Other branches were grafted in. And I can tell you those branches that were broken off suffered greatly. And they're broken off because of unbelief. They fell away. And they lost the, lost the blessings of being uh, connected to that root. The nourishment spiritually in this, uh, that they would receive from that root. So we see many examples in God's word, brothers and sisters, of those that were clearly children of God, born again of the spirit, will enjoy a heaven's perfect world just as we hope to ourselves. But they would fall away and they lost the blessings. They did not persevere. They fell away. Was there eternity in jeopardy? No. Of the blessings in this life, in this world, of a close walk to the Lord in jeopardy? Absolutely. In fact, they lost those. Plenty of examples. Due to the constraints of time, we will stop the message here. But please join us tomorrow for the conclusion of this message. If you would like to subscribe to our website, please go to www.zionpbc.com and sign up for email updates. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact the church at zionpbc1847 at gmail.com. That's Z-I-O-N-P-B-C-1847 at gmail.com. Or you can email me directly at jchrismacool at gmail.com. That's the letter J-C-H-R-I-S-M-C-C-O-O-L at gmail.com. Again, thank you for listening. May the Lord bless you is my prayer. We thank you for listening to today's message. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com.